The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 1. Book 7, The Insurrection of Women. Chapter 5, Usher Maillard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 7, Chapter 5, Usher Maillard. In flames, truly, were it not that Usher Maillard, swift of foot, shifty of head, has returned. Maillard, of his own motion, for Gouvion or the rest would not even sanction him, snatches a drum, descends the porch stairs, rent and beating sharp with loud rolls his rogues march, to Versailles, allons, à Versailles! As men beat on kettle or warming pan when angry she-bees, or, say, flying desperate wasps, are to be hived, and the desperate insects hear it and cluster round it, simply as round a guidance where there was none, so now these menads round shifty Maillard, riding usher of the Châtelet. The axe pauses uplifted. Abbe Lefebvre is left half-hanged from the belfry downwards, all vomits itself. What rub-a-dub is that? Stanislav Maillard, Bastille hero, will lead us to Versailles? Joy to thee, Maillard, blessed art thou above riding ushers. Away, then, away! The seized cannon are yoked with seized cart-horses. Brown-locked Demoiselle Terogne, with pike and helmet, sits there as gunneress, with haughty eye and serene fair countenance, comparable, some think, to the maid of Orléans, or even recalling the idea of Pallas Athene. Maillard, for his drum still rolls on, is, by heaven-rending acclamation, admitted general. Maillard hastens the languid march, Maillard, beating rhythmic with sharp rantan all along the quays, leads forward with difficulty his menadic host. Such a host marched not in silence, the bargeman pauses on the river. All wagoners and coach-drivers fly, men peer from windows, not women, lest they be pressed. Sight of sights, bacantes in these ultimate formalised ages, Bronze Henri looks on from his Pont Neuf, the monarchic Louvre, Medician Tuileries see a day not theretofore seen. And now Maillard has his menads in the Champs Elysees, Fields Tartarian rather, and the Hotel de Ville has suffered comparatively nothing. Broken doors, an Abbe Lefebvre who shall never more distribute powder, three sacks of money, most part of which, for Sanscolotism, though famishing, is not without honour, shall be returned. This is all the damage. Great Maillard! A small nucleus of order is round his drum, but his outskirts fluctuate like the mad ocean, for rascality male and female is flowing in on him from the four winds. Guidance there is none but in his single head and two drumsticks. Oh, my yard, when, since war first was, had General of Force such a task before him as they are this day? Walter the Penniless still touches the feeling heart, but then Walter had sanction, had space to turn in, and also his crusaders were of the male sex. Thou, this day, disowned of heaven and earth, art General of Menads. Their inarticulate frenzy thou must, on the spur of the instant, render into articulate words, into actions that are not frantic. Fail in it, this way or that. Pragmatical officiality, with its penalties and law-books, waits before thee. Menard storm behind. If such hewed off the melodious head of Orpheus and hurled it into the penious waters, what may they not make of thee? 
the rhythmic merely with no music but a sheepskin drum. Maillard did not fail. Remarkable Maillard, if fame were not an accident and history a distillation of rumour, how remarkable wert thou! On the Elysian fields there is pause and fluctuation, but for Maillard no return. He persuades his menads, clamorous for arms and the arsenal, that no arms are in the arsenal, that an unarmed attitude and petition to a national assembly will be the best. He hastily nominates or sanctions generalesses, captains of tens and fifties, and so, in loosest flowing order to the rhythm of some eight drums, having laid aside his own, with the Bastille volunteers bringing up his rear, once more takes the road. Chaillot, which will promptly yield baked loaves, is not plundered, nor are the Sèvres potteries broken. The old arches of Sèvres Bridge echo under menadic feet. Seine River gushes on with his perpetual murmur, and Paris flings after us the boom of toxin and alarm drum, inaudible for the present amid shrill-sounding hosts and the splash of rainy weather. To Meudon, to Saint-Cloud, on both hands, the report of them is gone abroad, and hearths this evening will have a topic. The press of women still continues, for it is the cause of all Eve's daughters, mothers that are or that hope to be. No carriage lady were it with never such hysterics, but must dismount in the mud roads in her silk shoes and walk. In this manner, amid wild October weather, they, a wild, unwinged stork-flight, through the astonished country, wend their way. Travellers of all sorts they stop, especially travellers or couriers from Paris. Deputy Le Chapalier, in his elegant vesture, from his elegant vehicle, looks forth amazed through his spectacles, apprehensive for life, states eagerly that he is a patriot deputy, Le Chapalier, and even old president Le Chapalier, who presided on the night of Pentecost and is original member of the Breton Club. Thereupon rises huge shout of Vive Le Palier, and several armed persons spring up behind and before to escort him. Nevertheless, news, dispatches from Lafayette, or vague noise of rumour, have pierced through by side roads. In the National Assembly, while all is busy discussing the order of the day, regretting that there should be anti-national repasts in opera halls, that His Majesty should still hesitate about accepting the rights of man and hang conditions and peradventures on them, Mirabeau steps up to the President, experienced Mounier as it chanced to be, and articulates in bass undertone, Monia Paris marche sous noir. Paris is marching on us. Maybe. Je n'en sais rien. Believe it or disbelieve it, that is not my concern, but Paris, I say, is marching on us. Fall suddenly unwell. Go over to the chateau. Tell them this. There is not a moment to lose. Paris, marching on us, responds Mounier with an atrabiliar accent. Well, so much the better. We shall the sooner be a republic. Mirabeau quits him as one quits an experienced president getting blindfold into deep waters, and the order of the day continues as before. Yes, Paris is marching on us, and more than the women of Paris. Scarcely was Maillard gone when Monsieur de Gouvion's message to all the districts and such toxin and drumming of the General began to take effect. Armed National Guards from every district, especially the Grenadiers of the centre, who are our old Guard Francais, arrive in quick sequence on the Place de Grève. An immense people is there, 
St. Antoine, with pike and rusty fire, like us all crowding thither, be it welcome or unwelcome. The Santa Grenadiers are received with cheering. It is not cheers that we want, answer they gloomily. The nation has been insulted. To arms and come with us for orders. Ha! Sits the wind so. Patriotism and patrolitism are now one. The three hundred have assembled. All the committees are in activity. Lafayette is dictating dispatches for Versailles when a deputation of the Centre Grenadiers introduces itself to him. The deputation makes military obeisance and speaks not without a kind of thought in it. Mon général, we are deputed for the six companies of Grenadiers. We do not think you a traitor, but we think the government betrays you. It is time that this end. We cannot turn our bayonets against women crying to us for bread. The people are miserable. The source of the mischief is at Versailles. We must go seek the king and bring him to Paris. We must exterminate, exterminate, the regiment of Flandre and the garde du corps who have dared to trample on the national cockade. If the king be too weak to wear his crown, let him lay it down. You will crown his son. You will name a council of regency and all will go better. Reproachful astonishment paints itself on the face of Lafayette, speaks itself from his eloquent, chivalrous lips in vain. My general, we would shed the last drop of our blood for you, but the root of the mischief is at Versailles. We must go and bring the king to Paris. All the people wish it, to le peuple, le veut. My general descends to the outer staircase and harangues once more in vain. To Versailles, to Versailles! Mayor Bailly, sent for through floods of sanscolotism, attempts academic oratory from his gilt state coach, realises nothing but infinite hoarse cries of Bread to Versailles! and gladly shrinks within doors. Lafayette mounts the white charger and again harangues and re-harangues, with eloquence, with firmness, indignant demonstration, with all things but persuasion. To Versailles, to Versailles! So lasted hour after hour for the space of half a day. The great Scipio Americanus can do nothing, not so much as escape. Morbleau, mon général, cry the grenadiers, serrying their ranks as the white charger makes a motion that way. You will not leave us. You will abide with us. A perilous juncture. Mere Bailly and the municipals sit quaking within doors. My general is prisoner without. The Place de Grave, with its 30,000 regulars, its whole irregular Saint-Antoine and Saint-Marceau, is one minatory mass of clear or rusty steel, all heart-set with a moody fixedness on one object. Moody, fixed are all hearts, tranquil is no heart, if it be not that of the white charger who pours there with arched neck, composedly champing his bit, as if no world with its dynasties and eras were now rushing down. The drizzling day tends westward. The cry is still, To Versailles! Nay, now, born from afar, come quite sinister cries, hoarse reverberating in long-drawn hollow murmurs, with syllables too like those of lantern. Or else irregular sanscolotism may be marching off, of itself, with pikes, nay, with cannon. The inflexible Scipio does at length, by aide-de-camp, ask of the municipals whether or not he may go. A letter is handed out to him over armed heads. Sixty thousand faces flash fixedly on his. There is stillness and no bosom breathes till he have read. 
By heaven, he grows suddenly pale. Do the municipals permit? Permit and even order, since he can no other. Clangor of approval rends the welkin. To your ranks, then, let us march. It is, as we compute, towards three in the afternoon. Indignant National Guards may dine for once from their haversack. Dined or undined, they march with one heart. Paris flings up her windows, claps hands as the Avengers with their shrilling drums and shams tramp by. She will then sit pensive, apprehensive, and pass rather a sleepless night. On the white charger, Lafayette, in the slowest possible manner, going and coming and eloquently haranguing among the ranks, rolls onward with his thirty thousand. Saint Antoine, with pike and cannons, has preceded him, a mixed multitude of all and of no arms, hovers on his flanks and skirts, the country once more pauses agape. Paris marche sur nous. End of Book 7, Chapter 5